0: Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. Welcome to the Nodcast, White Hills. Old, pa- old pals, collaborators. Um. Yeah, we kick it off. We always kick it off by just getting a bit of um, a bit of a bit of your story, really, a bit of background, and tell us a bit about yourselves.
1: Um. Well, we're. Both
0: insane,
1: yeah. <laughs> For uh, leading the lives we live, no. Um, well, what? So, I mean, uh, how far back you want to go? You want to go back to like where our, where we were born, like where we grew up, no, or just bam Let's just
2: start. Let's start where we <laughs> intersect with not six six.
1: Was it seven? seven. Seven, two 2007 yeah 2007 okay so here we'll we'll jump back to like 2006
3: okay
1: or like a little bit before 2006 so cool. uh ego and i had moved to new york we had been living in new york at that time for like four to five years um we left San Francisco because basically dot coms took over and what was a vibrant uh music scene uh got decimated. And so
0: so in two thousand and six, that's when the dot com people started moving in no San no that was in the late
1: nineties. That was in oh. the late nineties when that happened. Okay. We moved we moved to New York in ninety-nine.
4: Ah, okay. Yeah.
1: And wow, so okay. like as people that we were in bands with out in San Francisco were you know getting kind of sick and tired of like you know living that life and not getting what they perceived was what they wanted out of it a lot of those people stopped playing music so like the bands that we were in we found ourselves like without bands um when Ego came out to New York for a summer and did like a summer school program at NYU. And then after that, she was all like, you know, I want to move to New York. And then I was like, I'll go,
4: <laughs> you know, <laughs> so then
1: we ended up in New York. Um, it took quite a while for us to kind of figure out what we wanted to do musically. We both had our own bands that we were doing uh that played around town but it was like it was kind of funny because it was like i'd be playing guitar and singing when it was my project and then ego would be playing guitar and singing when it was her project we both had the same drummer and then we would switch off between bass and guitar okay We kind of did that for a while, trying to, you know, meet people in New York, play around and do whatnot. And then Ego started the Ego Sensation Show, which was a completely different thing. And she can talk about that. Um,
0: What was that, Ego?
2: Oh, it was like um, uh, performance art. It was music, but also dance, theater, kind of like a variety show. Okay, yeah, At the
3: Eric Andre show
1: yeah so <laughs> so, so basically um, like, like around so- two thousand and three um you know, after both of us had done some recording and after there were some venues that we were like able to play in and and whatnot um I just I bought like an early version of Pro Tools and started on my own to record what became uh either known as no game to play or they've got blood like you've got blood. Okay. So I basically recorded this album. I don't remember how long it took me. Um, And then I sent it to two people. I sent it to Julian Cope and I sent it to Adrian Shaw. Do you guys know Adrian Shaw is? No. He's the guy that's been playing bass with the Bevis Frond. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. He he goes as far back as he was the last bassist in uh, T Rex, oh, you know. Wow. But he was also um, Hawkins' bassist during the like Quark Strangeness and Charm era. Okay. okay, and so he was running Waronzo, you know, with Nick Solomon at the time. I had had some contact with both of those guys, you know, through mail. This was all before email. Um, so I had sent Julian a copy of what this no game to play was. And I sent one to Adrian and both of them ended up getting back to me. Adrian was like really into it. Nick was really into it, but they had no money to release anything. So they weren't releasing any other stuff. And when Julian got back to me, he's like, I want to release this. He goes, I don't know when, but he goes, I have this idea. Just, you know, are you cool with it? You know, just let me work on my time frame kind of thing. And so basically three years after having done this was when uh, he released They've Got Blood Like You've Got Blood on Fuck Off and Die. And Mm -hmm. that was the impetus really to try to get an actual band together. Because the, you know, I had sampled the drums on that first release, um, you know, did everything on my own on it.
0: Okay.
2: First bedroom pop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So so you hadn't even played a gig in those three years. You hadn't like. Nope. nope. Wow.
1: And then and then we hooked up with this guy, like, you know, during this process. And it was all like, oh, Julian's going to fucking release this. So like, you know, that first contact that I had with them, like instantly I was all like, oh, my God, I need a band together and I need a band together now. OK. And so we went through a whole process of playing with a bunch of different people um, trying to figure out like a lot. You know, I think even one lineup we had, it was like five people, you know, of just trying to, you know, see what worked well and how we could do these things. and. So after about a year and a half almost 2 years we found this guy Bob Belomo who lived in New Jersey. And so um you know we started to play with him in maybe late 2005 early 2006. And then um we played like two shows with him in New York and then come June of 2006 Julian releases They've got blood like you've got blood, and then invites us to come and play with him, opening up for him at uh, Coco in London on the tour that he was doing at that time. And our drummer, Bob, couldn't come. Julian hooked us up with the drummer, and the two of us flew over, and the second show, or the third show that White Hills ever did was in front of 2,000 people in London. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. How was the show? How was it? It was fucking nerve-wracking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, fucking you know,
1: bet. I, I mean, it was like, you know, we uh, you know, we met and played drums with us at that show literally like maybe two hours before uh, we were on stage with him. We met at a pub right around the corner from Coco you know, having some beers, chatting, Julian and his band comes in, then we all like load stuff in and it was, it was fucking mental. I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking,
2: you know, but it's really funny because in terms of all the shows we've done in our career and how, uh, how well prepared and tight that we've been for so many things, it was probably one of the shows we were the least prepared least tight for, but really the, um, the reception and the, um, you know, the, the benefits that came from that show were so great. Yeah. That, you know, it's so interesting because you think of that in terms of your career and how much work you put into things because of course you want your craft to be really good. But sometimes (laughs) just pulling something out of your ass is what gets you the furthest that, you know, depending on the time or the situation, you know,
0: it's all about timing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And see, so that was the thing, right. It was like, you know, when Julian like called me up and was all like, Hey, you know, um, I want you to open up this show. Right. And so then I, you know, call up our drummer. And I was all like, Hey, Bob, you know, it's like, we got this opportunity, you know, can you do it? And Bob was all like, I I can't, I can't afford it. You know, I can't afford a ticket over there. And then we were just like, well, fuck that. You know, we aren't going to, you know, and then I like talk when I talked to Julian next, he was all like, just come anyways. He's all like, he goes, the two of you just performed just to like the drum backing track that's on the album you know he's all like he goes over oh, i'll hook you up with someone
0: i love that i yeah. love that yeah so I just fucking do it
1: yeah exactly you know you don't i mean you don't get anywhere in life if you don't take a risk yeah you don't get yeah. those opportunities
2: every day for sure yeah when
3: the shit goes down you better be ready
2: yeah exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> but so, so,
2: basically, that show in
1: 2006 kind of snowballed everything. Nice. You know, that's that's what, you know, got uh, through Julian and Head Heritage and all that stuff. You know, Chris and Johnny then, you know, found out about us and then, you know, got in touch with us about wanting to release something. And, you know, we, shortly after that show, had released like the first proper album of a a full band together glitter glamour atrocity Mm -hmm. um which and you know unbeknownst to us because it was just self-released we just you know paid to press a hundred cds right you know just hopefully we can sell all these ourselves kind of thing and didn't send it to press or anything um, neither of us had any idea what Pitchfork was, and somewhere along the way it got this review on Pitchfork, and then our MySpace page kind of blew up. Yeah. You know and yeah, so it's just kind of like this snowball of of crap.
0: Yeah. And, and what was the musical landscape at the time? Because it was obviously what you were doing was fresh, wasn't it? It was, you know, it was kind of like a bit of an outlier in the musical landscape of the time, right? You know, I, yeah. I can't even remember what kind of music, what was happening, who was touring, and what what people were listening to. Like, what, what pulled people into White Hills, you know?
2: Oh, well, I I was just going to say, in New York, the kind of music that was happening in New York City was stuff like the yeah, 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 Yeahs.
1: Interpol. From- yeah. You point. know, and then on a more interesting side, Oneida liars. Yeah, yeah. Um, liars, act right. dice. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, there wasn't really that kind of. Um... There was
1: no no, guitar heavy, freak out, spacey, um you know. I don't. I don't know per- personally. I think White Hills kind of encompasses like such a a wide scope of what people will call a genre, and I think that that is evident in how you know you'll see people write about us as a metal band or as a drone band or yeah. as a, a desert rock band. Yeah a space band or a psychedelic band or whatever, or even punk and industrial, you yeah. know, uh, because.
0: Yeah, it was at the beginning of this kind of psych rock revival, if we can call it that, wasn't it? The psych yeah. thing started to sort of kick off around 2007, I'd say, really.
1: Yeah. You know. But, but even so, yeah, you still, it's like us and even like you guys, you know, it's like. I see both of our bands as outliers in that scene in so many ways because it's like, um, you know, you don't sound like the Grateful Dead. We don't sound like Jefferson Airplane, you know. Um, yeah. And our both of our musics are informed from such a wide variety of things. Yeah. It's, it almost seems like... The only place to put either of us was in psychedelic.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Kind of funny though when you start off in it and you do your first thing, and then everyone goes, Oh, this is what they are. Yeah. Like, well, wait till the next thing and then say <laughs> say so you feel like, you know, don't say anything about us to nail on the head, because in five years' time, you know, we'll see where it is then. And it could be something yeah. totally different. I mean, it was always the case with us where we, de- we, we never really wanted to set on one kind of sound, you know. And in rehearsals, we were never really doing it, like jamming as one band, doing a particular set of songs. It was just whatever came along and wherever it took itself, really, you know.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I but mean, that's- it,
0: you know, it definitely felt like when we did that first gig together in Saki Bar, that, you know, it was a case of, like, Kindred Spirits um and like seeing white hills we were like yes like fucking you know this is this is the kind of music we want to be fucking seeing at gigs you know because at that time like you say touring there was yeah there was there wasn't really like bands that were just fucking going out and jamming and whatever like playing just tunes for like out. 10 15 minutes yeah just rocking out and and yeah. and Going, going on journeys with it. It was kind of uncool, I think, in a lot of ways to do that still, maybe, you know. I
3: think there kind of was, but it was quite underground, wasn't it? it was Because um, comics on Fire and Sunburned, Hand of the Man and Black Mountain, all that was kind of coming out around that time, I remember as well. Yeah. yeah. There, was, there was stuff happening, but they were more like, almost like folk, folky end of psychedelia, suppose, or well they were cool they were all backed by like
0: yeah they were all backed by like the wire magazine and that they had a kind of like a cool and inverted commas sort of thing going on whereas like i we were outside of that you know but both white hills and nod were outside of that we it, it it was like uh something fresh and that a lot of people were were ready to hear, but a lot of people were also kind of turning their noses up at it in a way because, you know, it wasn't wasn't cool to be whatever playing a track for fucking twenty minutes or, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, using two notes. <laughs> it was very it was very it was very uh, exciting actually at that time because it, it was a bit of a shift and then and then obviously it, loads of bands started to whatever you know, psych out or whatever the hell you want to call it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. But, you know, I don't, I mean, for me, like a lot of like, what is the newer psychedelia? um, It uh, like here, we, we just played down at South by Southwest. Okay.
4: Okay.
1: And we did this acid fest show. All right. And one of the bands like literally could have just been a Grateful Dead cover band. Oh, no. they And they did do a Grateful Dead cover, but their <laughs> own music was, it sounded just like that, you know? And so, I, you know, I've always been a person that's thought of like the term psychedelic to me has always just been like uh anything that didn't fit into a norm, right so it could be noise, but it could be psychedelic if you fucking were able to zone out to mm-hmm. it and like it take it like you know it transcends the music and you mm-hmm. then in turn travel somewhere with it, you yeah. know. Um, Versus (laughs) where I think a lot of people who use the term psychedelic use it in the term of what it was for the 1960s, which is just basically a bunch of young white kids playing 12 bar blues with longer breaks for solos. And they were, you know, so, you know, I mean, I love Jefferson Airplane, but. You know, they did some stuff that I think psychedelic, but they were just a great rock band.
5: Yeah, you
1: yeah. Know? Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I think, you know, uh, I think both of our bands have proven with just sheer time at this moment that we are, no matter what this psychedelic music how it morphs and what it does, that we will always be outliers within it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah it it seems, seems that way. But... You remember the first contact you had with us, one of us? I think it was with Chris, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Was well, well, Chris Chris was the one that I think it hooked me up with you, Patty. Yeah. You know, because we were coming back. Oh, okay. Well, you know, taking a step back. So it's like, um, after we played with Julian, we then came back to play one show in the UK and we were offered a show in Brighton and we were able to get our drummer to come out for that show and then we just played this one show in Brighton and then we went up to London the next day to meet Chris and Johnny uh. at, at a pub. Um, is that right?
2: Wasn't the show a dog and tank?
1: that was with Dog and Tank but that wasn't the tour no i know but it, yeah. yeah yeah but yeah, so, and then, yeah and
2: then we met with Chris and Johnny
1: and basically when we were drinking beers at this pub in London they said to us we want to release Glitter Glamour Atrocity on you know over here and you know we got this label Rocket Recordings we partner with you know Invada, Jeff Barrow from Portishead um, you know, we have distribution through cargo, blah 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 blah. You know, and we were like, great, you know, but also at that time, we were telling them how we had basically enough material for another album, and they were like, oh, great, so then we can do two albums, you know. But what ended up happening is, is when they went and then in turn talked with Jeff. Jeff said to those guys, well, they already released this record on their own. Why do we want to re-release it? If they have another album, why don't you just ask them for the new album? And so then that's how Heads on Fire came about.
2: Mm -hmm. So then then Dog and Tank wanted to do a tour with us in the UK. And that was the show in Manchester that we played with you guys.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dog and Tank white hills and nod and so i guess
1: chris chris yeah yeah, chris was because i remember chris saying oh i i I know these guys up in in manchester area that have like this collective nod you know that like could probably
3: hook you up with something that's weird because we didn't know them guys then oh huh interesting We'd we'd not met them two for like another couple of years
1: yeah so i i have no idea how they they knew about you I know
0: how. I know how. I know how, because some of the very first early nod recordings I had sent to Chris and Johnny, and they had said, they had said, yeah, this is really good shit. Like, just keep us posted on what you're doing, basically. So there was a conversation happening between us. So yeah, they must. That's how it came about. I reckon they just knew that we were doing stuff up in Manchester. So that was a, a a link for you guys when you came through. And it was Dell. it was our lad, Dell who basically was doing this night called Attention All Shipping. And we were, he was kind of, he he was sorting it all out, but we were all helping out. We were all on board with it. And that's how the show got booked. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, on that, that run of shows, because we did, we did what, like a week with Dog and Tank. But the, the show that we did with you guys is the one that really sticks out in in my head. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a great night. It was a great night in a very special place at a special time. I felt like in in Manchester, there was it was just this random fucking. I guess it was like a a, a Turkish. Was it a Turkish bar or something? Uh, yeah, I thought.
1: Of, I thought. Uh, well, I think of it as a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely. It was like a Turkish, Middle Eastern vibe because they all had, they were smoking hookahs and stuff downstairs, and but it was yeah, one of the I best. Mean-
1: I remember some, I want to say I remember, like, some beanbag things. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I also remember, like, I was smoking hash with Doggin, and, like, little did I know that he was eating the hash as well. Okay? So he had taken, like, a big chunk of it and just, like, had it, like, kind of stuck, like... You know, in between his cheek and his gum, and it was just melting. And he was, and he says to me, he goes, Oh man, I'm really fucked. He's all like, I don't know if I can play tonight. I'm so fucked, man. <laughs> He's all like, he goes, He goes, look at my makeup because I fucking put the makeup on all fucking wrong. It's all lopsided, you know? And, and I was all like, Well, I said, dude, I'm not that fucking high. He's all like, he goes, yeah, but I'm eating it. He's all like, you should have some too. (laughs) You know, I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to eat it. You know, if you're as fucking high as you're saying. But anyways, (laughs) I just remember being really fucking high. And I just remember like, um, it was just like, it seemed that like everybody that was there, whether you were in the band or you weren't, and I don't even have any recollection on how many people were actually there but it just seemed like it was an event that everybody was just like super fucking happy, you know, and, and having a fucking great time, you know, and it was just like, nothing mattered except for what was going on in that room.
3: Yeah. That was a funny show for us because before that as well, we'd always just done it as like, we have done gigs as like guitars and drum kit and like other people playing various things around that. And then uh, I'd broken my collarbone so I couldn't play bass for two months. So I was playing keyboard for that gig, sat down playing keyboard. And we'd, n- we'd never done that setup before, but we just kind of had this gig booked and we thought, well, we're going to have to get round it somehow. Yeah. But we kind of just, it was our first foray into just, like, changing it up a bit and going a bit more electronic, really. I think, I remember Fish was uh, playing records, wasn't he, during the set as well? He was playing, like, bird song records and stuff, and there was all sorts of madness going on with that set.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously Saki Bar at that time was a place where everybody was just getting really fucking stoned or really high on whatever was going on. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we were peak. Well, I was definitely peak at that (laughs) point in my life um so yeah i mean that manchester at that time in the gigs like um, especially any nod show it was always fairly people were getting fairly high because we were always handing out drugs anyway so it's kind of perfect perfect scenario for playing fucking weird you know heavy music at
1: Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, like, probably at that point when we played with you guys, it maybe was like the sixth show we've ever played, you know, because there wasn't necessarily that many opportunities for us in New York at that time
3: to play places.
2: Yeah. You guys living at the House of Doom or something like that?
3: Yeah. Did you stay there?
2: No, but you bought You said you're
3: welcome at the House of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> house of Doom. Yeah. Castle a- of Doom. Castle of Doom. Castle of Doom. Uh, oh. The castle not a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we,
1: we should have, but it was, you know, <laughs> dog in, dog That's in and and you know, those guys were from Nottingham and they were all like, Oh, it's not that long of a drive. Oh, they, wanted yeah. they wanted to go, they wanted to go home. You know,
0: yeah. they wanted to stay at home. And was it was it kind of there and then that we decided to collaborate?
1: Yeah, I think like, yeah. I I don't know if it was right then, but it was definitely shortly afterwards that um that is what Aquarian Downer ended up like happening from. Yeah. Out, out, yeah. You know. Which I mean that time, you know, to me it's just like uh It was like a golden moment in some ways for an underground band at that time because you could, one, people were still buying music, right? You know, two, computers, you had the access to burn your own CDs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you could do all kinds of creative things. And then you had places like, you know, Aquarius Records in San Francisco that were out there seeking like you know all this this realm of you know i guess what you could say is its version of cassette culture yeah you
0: know yeah cdr culture cdr culture was fucking amazing yeah like I got remember going to see sunburn handed a man and they just they must have had like 200 c CD, different cdrs that they were obviously just burning on the road and we, we went to see them they just like at, some, at one point, they were just like, oh, just just take them. Just you know, like stop yeah. selling them to us. We're like, just fucking take them, man. Just. <laughs> but that, that was great because we used to do that in the early days. We used to just go to other people's gigs and give our CDRs out to people and say, yeah, yeah if you like this, have a listen to this, you know. And Yeah. It was a really great way of spreading the vibe. And it, well, yeah, it was like a golden moment because, yeah, people were still buying music, but we, then we, we had Myspace, to spread the word on the internet, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good time. And, and like, so we did, we did a query in Downer. So that was 2007 and 2008. When, has, when did you get the dropout files then? Was that around 2008,
1: 2009? I want to say it was 2008. Yeah. But, but, like, you know, it was something that I sat on. Like we we started to get busy, yeah. Um, you know, and it was still before it was still before Thrill Jockey, but you know, Chris and Johnny were doing a lot of help for us, you know, over in the UK, and then we, you know, came back another time afterwards. And we did some shows with Thought Forms, and I want to say there was one sh- the show in Bristol. Didn't you guys do that show with us and Thought Forms in Bristol in that weird pub that had the
3: the back room that kind of looked like a hunting lodge? Yeah, was it the Louisiana or something like that? I, I don't or remember Louisiana. The, I yeah, it was. It was the Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. It was right around it, the river. It was around the river, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And, yeah. and I think it was at that on um, that same trip that we also played in Lancaster together.
3: Oh yeah, the Yorkshire
0: House. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And we all stayed at Marion's.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. God, <laughs> uh, you know, every once in a while, like I'll be looking through some like folder of audio like on the computer and I'll come across like some unnamed file and I'll hit play. And it's like the fucking Party banter from that fucking night. (laughs) Like someone on the piano, you hear people like, hey, you got another fucking pint of cider, you know, whatever. It's just fucking nuts. It was like, ah, yes.
0: Wow. Um, We should release it. We should release that file, man. Release that fucking file. Drop out two. (laughs) Drop out three. Was that was that around the time then? So I mean, I'm jumping from I'm jumping from place to place. But was it was that around the time then? You also got involved with Thrill Jockey after those tours. Thrill
1: Jockey was a little bit later than that. That was like 2010, right? Okay, was it t- or 2009?
0: Okay, so yeah. Dropout had probably been released before you got involved with thrill jockey was it dropout
1: was actually released afterwards
0: oh wow okay because
1: dropout came out in in 2010 Hmm.
0: yeah it's crazy it's crazy how that album has just become like quite a a a big deal for a lot of people isn't it i know it's
1: like a, a beast of its own
0: yeah it's wild it's wild I mean, life.
1: actually, you know, you know, when uh, Chris, we were talking with Chris about this before, but we just did uh, like uh, two pig shows, Pig Seven, oh, okay, nice. in, in New York. You know, we 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 played with them on the the first American show that they did, and then we played with them again at the end of the tour. But uh, Matt, at at the last show, he uh, afterwards he like he goes, hey man, he goes. You ever talk to to Patty and Chris about like you guys just fucking sucking it up and just fucking actually going out there and just fucking playing drop out together? <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, yeah. goes, he goes, I can only imagine there would be quite a few festivals that would be into like you know presenting that. Yeah. So here I am, I'm it out there.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd be up for that. I mean, it's, it, I, I've
0: often thought about that. I thought, like, as the album sort of every year, it seems to pop up on some kind of list, or you know, there's always people chatting about it and people saying, "Oh, this is the greatest psych like, album on, of, of all time," or whatever, which is bananas <laughs> to me. But I, I just kind of think maybe there will be an opportunity where we could, like, do that, do some big festivals with it, and,
1: oh, and so. Sort of, yeah, reinvent there, that's the album. You know? That's also the way to get you mothers over here. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there, there's quite a few festival outlets that we could do that here. And and people people here ask about that, you know. Mm. So
0: that could cool. be our gateway to the States, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: If well, we ever make supposed- it I was playing when um, We were playing a gig. When was it? Last month or the month before? With IDA and Kid Millions came up to us and says, "I'm on your fucking album."
5: <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What
3: album, and he's like, "Drop out." I was a drummer. I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, of course <laughs> you did." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like that yeah, too. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "What?"
1: <laughs> One of, one of the tracks, like you know, I was kind of filling things out with like some little bits that was just White Hill stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, he's on on one of the things. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't remember which which one it is. But you know, yeah. I, I've, I've I've actually thought like if for some reason like there was ever well one first off I just recently recovered all of my original mix files and tracking files that i did on the material you sent to me okay Okay. because that stuff was lost for a long time on a hard drive that had died Okay. okay and so just recently got that recovered and um i haven't opened it up to listen to the things to you know like to reinvestigate like you know bits that I didn't use or like why I edited a song a certain way that I edited it and I know that there was a bunch of tracks that you know had been recorded over what you did that didn't even get used within it as well plus like the things that were just white hills on it like I was saying were just really tiny tiny little things but those are from like greater pieces as well. Okay. You know, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it'd be kind of interesting to kind of like go back and look at this and like reevaluate it." Mm. In
0: some way. Yeah,
1: you
0: know? I mean, I, I would love to. I mean, I think there's been talk actually with Chris and Johnny about um another reissue of it, but like doing it in a way, like yeah, like a, almost like a remix of it, really, or a, a reimagination of 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 the album.
1: Which yeah, is- I mean. Yeah,
0: piques my interest a bit more than just re- reissuing it again. You know, like actually doing something with it, something different.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree, and that's what we ended up doing with with Heads on Fire. You know, this yeah. year yeah. as the Revenge of Heads on Fire, and like putting out like you know the the full entity of what the album what we wanted to do at the time, but because of you know a heart once again a hard drive dying that I lost half of the material from that record.
0: Uh, yeah. So you actually managed to get it released in the way that you initially had? Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And how's that going down? How's it, how's it going down?
1: It's great, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, well, it's the first release on our own label. Nice. Uh, you know? I mean, what do you
2: think? in a smash (laughs) um yeah it's the first uh it's our first foray on our own label which is heads on fire industries and so it's been um an exciting experience being a record label and learning all the things that record labels do (laughs) to do
1: yeah you know it's (laughs) the the it's the amount of work is like tenfold more yeah yeah Um, Yeah. but that said you deal in some ways with uh, a lot less hassles than you dealt with dealing or you know dealing with a record label
2: well, there there's it's, many it's, maybe it's yeah. a, there's as many hassles, it's different hassles, but I think ultimately, you know, at a certain point you kind of have to take more control of what you're doing, you know, if you're in it for the long haul and you have a very particular vision of what you want to do and how you want things to be presented. Anytime you involve, you know, someone else, another a record label. They have their ideas that they want to impress on whatever you're doing, even if it's not specifically onto the music, whether it's, you know, the image they want to present or how they want to sell it or whatever. So if you want to take control, you kind of got to do it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like to sit there and have someone, you know, you're you're telling someone, okay, this is what this album's about. Uh, This is how we want the album to be discussed. This is how, you know, this is the narrative and this is what you need to say about it. And then they in turn send you back a, you know, press release for the record that doesn't explain it properly. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to them and say, no, you're missing the point on this. This is how it needs to be discussed. It needs to be framed in this way. And then like, you know. When someone at some point is all like, no, we're done. This is what we're doing. You know, and then you're like, well, fuck, you know, this is like, it's my piece. Well, like,
0: what about and- what about actually what about actually selling it? So I mean, like, obviously the environment of which we release music on now is absolutely insane. So as as you set up a label, is it are you basing it mainly on like, right, we're gonna try and just sell loads of like physical records? Or are you like how are you navigating the digital sphere of it? Spotify fucking all, all that stuff. Are you, are you, are you going down that route with it?
2: Yeah, mean, Cause well, you kind of have to. So we have, um, a distribution deal with cargo. So okay. you know, they produce the physical product. Um, and so, you know, we're selling, you know, a physical product, the vinyl, the different vinyl variants, and cds um and then we're kind of experimenting more with in terms of the um streaming the streaming side of things is this whole singles thing you know that you really in order to get kind of more action on the streaming services you know we're always inclined to think we think of our music as an album we want you to listen to it we want you to put on side a and listen till the end but that's not generally how people how most the majority of people listen to music right they, yeah. just, they like to pick and choose songs and put them together yeah so when we released the album we did we released it on uh, streaming services in singles you know, so you, you announce the al- album, and when you announce it, you put out the first single. And then a few weeks later, you put out the second single. And I don't know, I think we did...
1: We did four singles. We did
2: four singles. Yeah. So then yeah. on release day, you released the fourth single. And the whole point is that then you're sort of building up the album, so it's starting to get some more listens before it's actually out.
0: Okay.
1: Then, yeah, yeah, because... I mean, it's like um, uh, when when was it like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen? You know, our our, our friend uh, David Wrench. Um, you know, he's the mixer producer. He has that band Audio Books, and he's the one that that recorded and uh, produced our album Walks for Motorists.
5: Yeah,
1: uh, he. You know, he was out in the U.S. like trying to drum up some mixing business. And at that time, he was saying that like every label person that he was speaking to, uh, they weren't concerned with albums at all. They could Mm. care less about albums and that the future was just singles. And all that they wanted was singles for streaming platforms. Mm. And it's like that's ultimately what it is. So it's like actually right now, this year we're experimenting with releasing a single every four months, right? Three months? Every two. Every two months to see, you know, cause it's like, you know, all this algorithm crap and all this stuff that I hate talking about, but it's like it's such an <laughs> reality of the situation right now right? In order to maintain, like, numbers, you need to be feeding this fucking
2: beast. Well, I think the thing is, is that, you know, as artists, we like making albums. And we're always going to make albums, because that's the way that we think of music, and that's the way that we like to express our musical ideas. I mean, that's prop. Well, I shouldn't say that's always how we're going to do it. Who knows what the future's going to be. But... That's how we like to do, that's how we like to do business. We create albums, we do. right? But we also, we create all kinds of music all the time. It's not like we make an album and then we don't do anything. We're always creating music. And so, but, you know, as you keep going on in the music business, whether you think of it as the music business or not, or we are in the business of going out playing shows and putting out records, you're trying to find this balance between how can I do what I do in the way that I like to do it, but how am I going to be able to reach more people so I can do what I want to do more, right? So that's why we started looking at how can we release more music in that bite sized way that people seem to like to get it um, mm-hmm. in conjunction with our normal way of putting out an album every year or two years or yeah.
0: whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's it has become really mad, hasn't it? Like, navigating this fucking whole... I mean, do you just
1: leave that to Chris and Johnny to deal with?
0: Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, th- those guys, they've kind of got it down. And, like, yeah, we have a good thing. I mean, with Nod, we just really concentrate on just getting getting an album together and we i'll be honest i don't really think of it beyond that in regards to i mean me and chris have been having conversations about streaming recently um chris has got a very pragmatic and sensible approach to it and i'm like we should just take everything off fucking spotify which just, fuck it all. I don't, I'm like, I don't give a damn. I don't want, I don't want people to be listening to crap MP3s on Spotify, you know, or, like I have a bit more of a sort of reactionary kind of like, there has to be a new, a different way of doing, doing this. But Chris has got a very sensible approach, which makes a lot of sense, which is, and hearing what you're saying, this idea of releasing singles and stuff like, yeah, I guess, Thinking about it, I think that's how how it's been working for us, isn't it? Like we 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 the last few albums, we've been releasing a lot more singles from them than we would normally do, mm. just for the digital realm. But it's all really boring, isn't it? It's all really like the algorithm stuff and all that. It's like it's really I don't know. I tend to stay away from it because, uh, like you were saying, it is it's it's shit to think about and shit to talk about. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know what to, I just don't know where I am with it. All I know is that just like, I've got to make some music and, yeah, and exactly. do some, some gigs, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get out there and keep doing it. You know?
1: Yeah. Like uh, the last thing, last thing I want to ever call myself or identify as is a content creator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, It's like, fuck you. You know? <laughs>
2: it's, like, <laughs> it's like what a way yeah. to the magic out of out of writing music to call your music content. content.
4: Yeah. It's yeah, like
2: what's in a tooth toothpaste tooth. Yeah. And, and, and it
1: cheapens it 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 cheapens it. It allows the streaming services to rape the artist, you know, and it's like um Art is not content. Now, not to mm. say that there isn't music that I would say, yeah, that's content. Okay, but we don't make content. You don't mm. make content.
0: No, but maybe we should. Maybe we should all start. <laughs> maybe we should like do a, a, a version of Dropout that is specifically for content on Instagram and TikTok, so yes, that people can lifestyle. use. Yeah, people can use it for like 30 seconds and we can just get it shared and spread all over the fucking world and have people like whatever the fuck they do, dance into it and whatever, chopping their fingers off to it. We
1: can do like what Devo did, right? They did uh, Devo easy listening. They made
0: Elevator. music versions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were on it. They were on it. It's yeah, it's kinda right. tricky, isn't it? It's kinda of tricky thinking about that, like and um how basically people don't really listen to albums that much anymore, but people are mad for creating playlists. That's how most most people consume music now, is like a playlist. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, but see, so, you know, so it's like, you know, we want to release records, we want to release them on our own terms, start our own label, we're fortunate enough to get a distribution deal because something like that is not easy. Not easy, no. Not easy when we were even, you know, discussing it, which was like when everything shut down. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I I feel fortunate in that respect that we were able to do that. And then that allow us to be able to fulfill like our need to do that there is a market for people who do want product that market you know is always going like this but it's Mm -hmm. like you know the album sold out so it's like brilliant good with that you know Is heads on fire
0: industries a vehicle mainly for white hills are you going to be releasing anything any other bands on there or
1: I would love to release other bands on it, you know, like right now it's just purely a financial reason why we aren't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: We're getting it up to speed. We're still in the getting it up to speed phase. Yeah. So once we get it going, that is our goal is to Mm -hmm. release other music as well.
0: I fucking love how industrious you guys are with it. It's it's amazing really. You know? It's, it never uh, stops. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Fucking it's
1: incredible. We're 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 basically working on two different albums right now. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, so
0: yeah, we're working on our white album at the moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so does that mean that we're going to get some some more acoustic bits out of you on a nod? Right? Yeah,
0: might do. You might do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The acous not acoustic album is in the pipeline as well. That's something that we've been sort of kind of uh, it's in it's in the uh, ideas phase at the moment, really. But um, it's something that we'd like to do uh, definitely. Just to change it up for because we've been sort of slamming people with the heavy shit now for a while. It would be really nice to like start doing gigs where you force people into a different space with it, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah. Just to change things up. But again, that's well, that's yeah, that's a bit of work. But we'll get the white album out of the way first. And then we'll think about the acoustic album. And then we'll go onto the let it be phase of it. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're never, we never do a gig ever again. And we're just like, just playing on people's rooftops every now and then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess like, so, I mean, are, are you doing a lot of gigs? Are you playing live a lot over in the States? Uh, well,
2: we just did a huge tour in the States. Um, well, I guess it was last summer july yeah. and august we did like 40 dates all wow. over the country 14,000 miles of
0: driving wow wow and how was it how how were the gigs are people are people into it is, is live music still a, a fucking thing over there
2: music's still a thing um but it really depends on where you go because we did a lot of different markets and some of them um there's certain areas in this country that are
1: known as flyover. Okay. Yeah. that flyover, we did yep. not fly over, we them. Did not we fly over them, and <laughs> people in those places were all like, "Oh, we're so thankful you you weren't one of the flyovers." Wow. You know But but that said. It's like fucking brutal drives, you know, when we're in the U S it's just the two of us. Right. So it's like, we're driving, we're unloading, we're setting up, we're breaking down, we're selling merch, you know, it's like, it's nonstop basically. Mm. And, um, you know, so it's like, you're fucking driving like 11 hours to get to a fucking gig, you know? And, and then, you know, you fucking pull up and the, the first band is like, three songs short of fucking stopping and you're like, okay, got to fucking get everything out of the van. Got to fucking set it up. Got to get the merch together. And then also be able to get the fucking shit like, you know, up on stage and then play your fucking set. It's brutal. That shit's Mm -hmm. brutal.
2: Yeah. You know, we're usually normally what we do is we'll do uh, a run of shows on the East coast. And then separately we'll do a run of shows on the West coast. Or we might do something where we go into Chicago. And we do sort of these targeted runs. Um, we haven't done a full U.S. tour since, I think, since when we toured with the cult. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, so that
1: was 2013.
2: Wow. And, but you know what? We were It, it was not until this past, last summer that we actually toured since 2019 and i think mm. we were just dying to like get back out there and play shows and so our agent we had uh, have a new agent in the u.s and she offered us this tour. And we just thought you know what we gotta get out and do it yeah it's like, either, either it. you're
1: gonna be a shut-in you know for the fucking rest of your life or you fucking take a chance
0: yeah, yeah you've got it you've got to take the chance
1: yeah. i mean
0: yeah, that that's one of the things that fucking, um, not puts me off about touring the States, but you know, you hear all the stories of like driving for 11 or hours or 14 hours to go and do the, the thing for an hour, there's the thing that you're, the only reason you're bloody there really is to do the thing for an hour and there's just that grind to get through, you know. When I was younger, I was like, "Yeah, great! I'll be in the van, just smoking weed. Yeah, fourteen hours of smoking weed sounds fucking great, man." (laughs) (laughs) But now it's just like, "Oh God, that's yeah, that's a grind and a half, you know."
1: Yeah, that that's why that's why it's like you do, you know, like what pigs did, right? You do your fucking East Coast, you know, and then they flew to Texas, and then they did Mm -hmm. Texas, and then they flew to the West Coast, do the West Coast. Canada, you know, maybe Mexico, right? And then you fucking, like, you know, fly back to Chicago. Chicago's not that far from New York, right? Then you do, like, you know, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Anything whatever, Pennsylvania, Toronto. Toronto, upstate New York, and whatever. But, you know, you know. got
2: to want to do it. It's all complicated. There, there's no ways to do it. You do it. There, yeah, exactly, point
0: yeah. Point. Yeah. But you just, and, are you guys on the same agency as pigs? No. Same booking agent. No,
4: no,
0: no, no. Because yeah. they're quite. I mean, pigs. The pigs guys, anyway. Uh, Beatty and and that. They're they're well up on the music industry shit. Anyway, they work in in the music industry in other ways. Like they're they're fairly fairly clever when it comes to doing doing things like that. You know, they're 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 on it. They're very on it, guys. Yeah,
1: they, they had it, it. They had it really together. I was like,
2: wow, man. You know. Yeah. 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 I think, I think.
0: all of them were really good in the States. Yeah. And so that were their gigs good, yeah? Was it like was it well attended? Was it like Oh yeah, like, yeah. The, they the, they were the both buy- sellouts. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: yeah. Um, I
2: think even their West Coast shows that a lot yeah, like, they, they had, had a lot of
1: they out. had a lot of sold out shows. Yeah. I don't think they had like any any show that was poorly attended. Well, wow.
0: I'm delighted for them, man. That's good. That's yeah. really good to good to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's also interesting, right? Because you know, it's like this new record they have. A, they have a company in North America that released it. Okay. Well. And that company previously was just a PR company. Right. You know, so it's like it. Uh, it seemed to me that that company really had it together with promoting, like everything that they were doing out here. Hmm. You know, which I'm, I know there's some people in the business that are all like, no, you don't need to do that, like, whatever. But it's like, you need to, you know, who's going to find out about it if no one's talking about it?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And like, especially now that there's like, I don't know, so much distraction, so much, there's so many bloody bands. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, the, the thing for us, like, touring for us, In the UK and and, and in Europe, even with with the COVID stuff, it's not really changed that much, you know? It's not really... I mean, it's stepped up a bit, actually, hasn't it, Chris? No, it has stepped up a lot. Like what you were saying before about the the Liverpool Psych Fest, the guy's demographic being whatever age range, 40s to whatever, 50s. What we noticed that post-COVID doing our gigs, there was loads of kids coming to our shows. When I say kids like twenty something year olds singing the fucking words of the songs down the front, and it was like, whoa, wait a minute, this is this is new, like this is new, like heads like fucking singing along to the tracks and mosh pits of young people. We
1: noticed noticed that in mainland Europe. You know, we, we noticed that there was like again like younger people at the shows. Which like felt great, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like after when after we did Only Lovers Left Alive, like that was like the first time that we started to see younger people coming to our shows. You know?
0: Dressed as vampires.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, all goth like (laughs) all the
1: little gothy kids.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah,
1: it was great. You
0: know, so yeah, I watched that. I've watched that film again recently. It's so fucking good. It's such a good movie, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, I love see. the fact that you're in it. I was you telling gotta, my wife, I was like, I was like, oh, they're my friends there, and she was like, what? <laughs> was like they're, they're my mates there in the film. Yeah,
1: but you got <laughs> you got to get the DVD and see the outcut of our spoken word part. Ah,
0: um, okay. Ah, definitely need to see that.
1: Yeah, we we, we had a, We had a scene that made it to the cutting room floor. Yeah. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh, dang. Blooper. <laughs> <laughs> um, who blooped it? Who who fucked it up? Was it, it was you, Jim? You it? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. So Jim Jamush is obviously a, a fan of White Hills. Then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but so, I mean, so basically, what what happened was is is like when when the movie was finished. He uh, he called us up and he was all like, um, "Movie's done, okay. This is when it's gonna come out. You know, we're, we we want to do this big promotional tour. Are you guys in?" We're like, "Yeah, definitely, we're in." And then he's all like, and he goes, um, he goes, and I just want you to know that your spoken word bit didn't make it into the film. And he goes. He goes, and then he was like, it wasn't because of you guys. He's all like, okay, so what we were supposed to do is, you know, it's vampires, right? Vampires don't see their reflection in the mirror, okay? So he had two scenes where there was going to be a mirror gag, okay? So one of them was our scene. So it's like after we play, we're then sitting at a table, having a drink and there's like this action that ensues with the other characters. And then the vampires have to exit real quick. Uh, There's a mirror right next to us. Like, I think I was looking at the characters leaving, but Ego's looking in the mirror. And then you weren't supposed to see the people in the mirror. And then it was this like Ego's all like, did you see that? And I go, what? Like, that's the only words. Those were our lines. Okay, <laughs> so that that scene actually took quite a long time to shoot because they were only shooting it with one camera when they really needed a multi-camera shot in order to yeah. do it correctly. Um, so that that took a really long time to shoot just that one little bit. But Jim, what Jim said is, is he goes the other mirror gag happened uh, like outside of the home. Where they were shooting in Detroit. Okay. And and Jim's all like he goes, he goes, yeah, I had like these guys moving a mirror in a down and out neighborhood in Detroit in the middle of the night. Okay. And he goes, he goes, even for one of my films that was a little bit too far out there to find <laughs> the capable that there would be people moving a mirror in the middle of the fucking night that some (laughs) vampires were then just going to run by and not see their reflection. (laughs) So (laughs) so He said, he said, because he said he had first, he took out just the, the mirror gag scene in Detroit. And then he left ours in, but then as they were, you know, looking at the film again and again, Jim was all like, it makes no sense. There's no other part where there's a mirror gag. Like,
0: How are people going to, you know, people aren't going to get this? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you got to take part in such a fucking great film. I really like it. I love the soundtrack for it as well. I love the soundtrack. I love all the Moroccan stuff. You know, I love Morocco. So, I mean, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that film, man. And so yeah. you, did you you got to tour it. So you were basically what playing all the the premiere screenings of it, or something like that, or
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. yeah.
0: playing so, a full gig, playing a full gig, or just playing, yeah,
1: like, yeah, full gigs. So it, it was it was us, Joseph von Weissem yeah, uh, on his own, uh, Yasmin Hamden, the woman who sings at the end in Morocco. Yeah, yeah. Her and her band, and then Squirrel, you know, at the at the end of the night. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool.
1: And it, and it would all it would all happen like you know it'd be part of like a premiere screening, right? Cool. So we did one in Paris. We did one in London, Berlin, Hamburg. It was Louis, Cologne. Cologne. Um, New York. New York. And that was it. I yeah, guess, I think right? it was I there was just there wasn't that. one in L.A remember
0: now yeah. yeah wow not bad not bad now that's that's that sounds like some pretty cool gigging man. Oh, man. Now, that.
1: That, that was like yeah. the the prime of like uh i don't know like rock starness. <laughs> <That's laughs> <the word. laughs> you know it was definitely it was definitely like a a, a high moment and um treated exceptionally well because of you know the the promotion from the film company yeah very nice
0: yeah Yeah, it's a a different kettle of fish isn't it like the film world yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. you know and and um you know we had like a, a you know days off in every place too Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, you know, you do like, you know, a gig and then maybe like the next night you do another gig. But then like you'd be stuck in Berlin for three days or something, you know, which was like a lot of fun, you know, because you're just hanging out with everyone and 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 whatnot. And it was like when we were in London, um, you know, when we toured with the cult, the guy who was playing second guitar on that tour, this guy James uh, Stevenson who is actually an original member of that punk band chelsea
0: oh yeah. yeah and
1: he was also in generation x at one point i mean this guy's been with everyone He's gene loves jezebel he's in the alarm i mean this guy's like whatever but he owned uh, a guitar store at the time on denmark street okay so when we were in london we were like hey jim you know we're gonna go Visit our friend James at his guitar shop, you know, and Jim's like in the guitars and whatnot. So we're like, you should come with us. So he's like, yeah, 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 come and come with you. And then like we're we're going into the to the tube station and he's like, oh, I need fucking money. I need some money. So he goes over to this ATM machine fucking I don't know how much money did he pull up he, out? he, he, <laughs> he
4: just took out 200 pounds, 200 he's like, pounds. Tomorrow? yeah 200 pounds exactly
1: exactly it was so funny right because he takes out this 200 pounds and then he's instantly like why the fuck did I do that I'm not <laughs> going to spend this money you know he's not like I'm leaving in a day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh,
0: Hopefully he spent it in the fucking guitar shop buying some fucking plectrums <laughs> or something.
3: You should have said, well, I need a new guitar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I'm, afraid, I'm afraid that the guitars at James' shop had about a few more zeros on there from that uh, time. Yeah, so, okay.
0: Yeah. Ah, cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's next then for White Hills? What's going on?
2: Well, we've got, uh, we're coming over to, yeah. hey, we're playing a festival that you guys are playing, but Psych no, and Bloom, but I don't think we're Not on the same, same
1: day. day.
3: No.
1: I think you're okay.
3: before us. But you're, Where's you're that? You're up about the same time as we are, aren't you? Just in different towns. Because I yeah. was looking at that. I was looking to see if we overlap, but I don't think we do. Yeah, we, we're only doing two weeks.
4: Same-
0: right,
2: um, yeah. That's it's some it's near Stuttgart. It's at the end of May.
0: Okay. So when are you when are you flying in to start that? It must be in like the next week or two, next couple of weeks, yeah.
1: No, like a month, end of May, right. end of yeah. May,
3: towards the end overlaps towards the end of our tour, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: and then and then we we get to do you know uh, our fly into Brussels and have a couple of days with Jan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't done we haven't done that yeah, in years. years at this time. Point.
2: I mean we saw you on in because we were there in um, October. Yeah. Brussels in October, we saw Yon, but we didn't really have too much time. Yeah, we didn't yeah.
3: or
1: anything.
2: Yeah, I saw
0: him last week. I was over in uh, Brussels in Liege last week, so I spent the, the, the night with him. Oh cool. It's good to see him. It's good to yeah. see him. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so yeah. so we do that. Um and then we go back for what looks like another two weeks in early August.
0: Wow. So, so you're doing two not- weeks well, two weeks in Europe in May, another two weeks in Europe in August.
1: That's what it looks like at this point, yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And then
1: and then we we were going to come back or there was some stuff in early September, but we, we ended up, like, it definitely wasn't going to work out for us to be able to just stay in Europe to then do yeah. the September stuff. So we, we ended up, like, backing out of, of that stuff just because the cost of flights are so fucking out of control right now. Mad,
0: yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, sure. So we, we do that. Um, we, when did we record with Martin? Was that almost a year ago? Yeah. Okay. So, like almost a year ago, we we went back into Martin DC Studio in in Gowanus, Brooklyn, and and tracked what is going to be the next album. And right. we've just slowly, real, like slower than ever, like working on this material.
2: Well, it's because we work on for three months, touring.
1: yeah and it seems like you know come back and then it's like right. I start to work on it again and I'm all like change it all completely from what it sounded like before because my headspace is different mm-hmm. you know um, but so that album will we're looking at to come out next May um, and you know also at the same time like a Kind of towards the end of like when things were kind of locked down, I started to put these uh, these releases out on Bandcamp um, under uh, this title of Tone Spores. And like the kind of the concept of it is like, you know, like... Uh, like a mushroom right you know yeah. a mushroom shooting off its spores like out and spreading out so these releases are kind of based on sound in this way of like kind of just it kind of exploding and flowing out within you know like an atmosphere kind of thing okay. so there's been what will be like the third Release in this series that is known as Tone Spores is also being worked on right now. But that stuff is way more electronic, um, you know, it, ambient, uh, you know, and some of it's industrial, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's. Is that, is that on
0: Heads on Fire Industries Bandcamp or is it just on Tone Spores Bandcamp?
1: No, it's it's under White Hills. We just do it okay. all under White Hills because it helps us to, you know, it's it's already there. It's set up. We have an artist account.
0: So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Cool. I checked that out. I had no idea that you were doing that. I mean, I'll I'll check it out, man.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like over the pandemic, we did a shit, like a shit ton of stuff. We I re- we released eight. Uh, quarantine Series EPs for what was the first eight Bandcamp Fridays. Wow. Okay. Oh, and God. so that was like a mix of new stuff and then going through the archives and finding old stuff, you know? Yeah. And they were all based on this kind of concept of time because, you know, this whole like idea of time like kind of was just fucking sh- what how people thought of time was completely different, right? Yeah. Everything was
5: just,
1: you know, so all of those, you know, it's like this time, the last time, electronic time, one day at a time, uh, time and time again, you know, those are like the various titles from that. And then also playing into it being from new stuff and old stuff played into this concept of time as well. And then also besides that put out, uh, a CDR under the title Sauerkraut. Okay, which was kind of like, you know, a, a joke at like, you know, being a Kraut rock type band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. You're not allowed again. to say that anymore, Dave. You're not allowed to call it Kraut rock anymore. Oh no, yeah. no.
1: Is, is that is that, uh, that gone absolutely. to the wayside? It's not yeah, it's, it's totally you gotta
0: just call it German progressive rock now.
1: German, oh is it? <laughs>
0: I know yeah, we were
1: just got- with a bunch of Germans a couple of weeks ago, and they were calling it Krautrock.
0: There you go. There you go. Then it's okay. If they're calling it, then fucking it's fine. It was only a bunch of people in Ireland that said to me, you know, you can't call it Krautrock anymore. And I was like, fuck off. It's <laughs> Krautrock. <laughs> Is Do you know it what I mean? Well, I yeah, guess. Apparently so. You know, it's, some, it's like somebody t- said to me as well, there's just some sensitive people out there's so i was talking about eastern mysticism with somebody and they said to me you know you can't call it eastern mysticism anymore and i was like but it's from the east so like yeah what? like
1: a, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah it's just it's just nonsense <laughs> isn't it
1: yeah well you know you know it's you know so i sell you know collectible records on on discogs
0: okay yeah. Yeah. It's how, how you make your millions,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, I wish it was millions, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of the it's one of the many ways. <laughs> you know, you call any pie hands. So I got like a little bit here and a little bit there. Um wow. Love but it. So, so I had an experience just like this just the other day. Um so I have this record by a San Francisco electronic punk band from the late 70s called German Shepherds. And it was two gay guys. They did one self-released record, German Shepherds, music for sick queers. Yeah. And I so I go to, you know, post it up, and it says, This title is, you know, banned from being sold on this platform. And I was wow. like, oh, I was all like, hold it, wait a second here. This is a private press, it's not a bootleg. Usually, you know, bootleg recordings are usually the only illegal things, and then I'm yeah. thinking, oh my god, it's got to be because the album's called, you know, Music for Sick yeah. Queers, and so I'm yeah. upset about it. Yet, it was a couple of queer dudes who made <laughs> music for their other sick queer punk friends. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, nonsense,
0: crazy. So, yeah. did, uh, I mean, I'm uh, to get to be a bit boring about it, how did you get around that? Did you just star out the? the no, you can't it, it,
1: you, it, you, there's, you can't post it.
2: You can't, do you a, can't make a new post, no,
1: no, nope, nope, not at all. Oh. And wow. Superior, Superior Viaduct even reissued the record like just a few years ago, and even that version of it, you can't sell. So, that was the other Dude. thing that made me think it had to be because you know, for sick queers
0: wow well yeah it's a mad world we live in right now isn't it it's fucking yeah. you know it's uh it's it's fucking interesting i mean because yeah oh, well fuck it fuck it i don't want to get too into it i don't want to get cancelled you know what i mean
1: for all we know we're already cancelled <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> be around to shut all your social media accounts tomorrow yeah, exactly.
5: <laughs> Just
4: lay well, low for a little bit.
3: It's a shame. It's a shame we don't get to cross paths
0: on these on these tours and do a couple of gigs together, really. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I say, there's talk of this dropout thing with Rocket, this reissue or reimagination of the album. So I mean, let's let's look into that. If you're if you're up for it, if you guys yeah, are up for I'll doing to- something else with it.
1: It'll just—it is you know? an excuse for me to bump into those files again and take a peek and see what's in there. Yeah, you know. Maybe uh, what, uh, you know. Can... I mean, personally, I—I uh, I would, you know, love to do just a, a new thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. We've been talking you know? about. Yeah, that for I, mean, ages, I would anyway. love to. I would love to as well, man. You know, I'm just not very good at working remotely. I'm more, I'm more like, let's get in the room together. Obviously, we could send you some stuff. We've got tons of stuff. We could send it to you. And but same, then, same I, on this I always feel like I always feel like the people who make it and then send it off have kind of got the easier end of the bargain, if you know, you know what I mean. Like I much prefer being in the room with people and it happening there and then you know that's where well, I really you know, I
1: mean we could try uh, both ways you know and potentially you know maybe even i don't know at some point figure out how we can actually get in the same routine.
0: yeah together. the
2: future's unwritten we can maybe get into bobs yeah
4: you
0: know yeah well, well, i wonder if there, if one of these fucking festivals these like um whatever it's South by Southwest or what's the other kind of psych festival? Uh, is it still well, there's happening? There's levitation, uh,
1: levitation.
0: Austin
1: Psych Fest. There's I South wonder if any of them would be
0: interested, would be interested in giving us a couple of gigs where we go and we perform dropout and it's like a residency. So we perform a version of dropout, but then we kind of go in and we re-record like a, a dropout three or whatever. Like we do a new album you know but it's it uh, we kind of use the platform of going and and performing the original dropout as a way to get to be able to get together so we can do a couple of shows and then maybe get into a studio for three or four days and just fucking see what happens
1: yeah we could do it we could idea. do it at martins oh yeah yeah then, cooking. Then you can be in the space that like you know swans did all their early records in
0: yeah that would be nice you know. Soak up some of them vibes. Yeah. I've already i've soaked up enough of Michael Gera's vibes. Actually, I don't need any more. You know when he stayed at the mill, I probably, <laughs> should, I probably shouldn't be admitting this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I don't because uh, I don't give a fuck. But when he stayed at the mill, uh, they stayed at the B and B at the mill, and I was I was cleaning the mill at the time. I was like looking after the B and B and stuff. So I went downstairs because I was like, well, swans are downstairs. I'm just going to have to go down and stuff. Sort of pretend i'm making everybody coffee or whatever <laughs> i went downstairs and uh, thor was kicking around and uh, i gave thor a tour of the building um, and we had a lot of walk around the mill, and we had a nice conversation he was a very nice chap and then we came back into the b&b room and jira had come out of his bedroom with like his 10 gallon hat on and stuff and like looking moody and i made him a coffee and then they 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 got off, they went in their van to go to the next gig and I just went straight into Michael Jarrett's bedroom and just jumped in his bed for ten minutes
1: <laughs> and just
0: lay there. I just lay there going, come on, give me give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> me some of these vibes, did, did, did
1: you turn over and give <laughs> give his pillow a good sniff?
0: <laughs> I did actually, yeah. I don't mind admitting that it is. <laughs> yeah it was good yeah I, I'm sure I got something maybe I got some of my, my my agginess from it I don't know but no they were all they, they were all they were all very they were all gentlemen really they were all proper gents at that stage you know yeah
4: yeah
0: real gents um but yeah that's my that's my Jira story yeah that's, cool. nah,
4: that's a good
0: one embarrassing embarrassing as it is you know I mean, jumping in Michael Jira's bed but I jump but I jump in his fucking deathbed as quick
1: well, I say it could be worse. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. He could have been in it.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, that would have been
3: better. That would and, have then, been
1: better. Well, and then he could have been maybe very welcoming to you while he was in there, which, I mean, depending on which way you go, it's all good or it's not so
0: good. <laughs> I would have been fine with it. <laughs> All right, Mike. How you doing? Move on, move over, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's a sh- like I could say it's a shame we're not meeting up on these gigs, but that that time will come again. It's just nice that we're all back out on the road. Yeah. I know, that, I'm, I'm. I'm intrigued to see what it's going to be like out on the road for us. Obviously, being in the UK now, it's being. It's getting a little bit sort of. They're putting up more obstacles for the lads from the UK to get over to, to Europe and tour now. It's every year, ever since since the Brexit stuff, it's getting a bit more and more, like, kind of oof, a few more hoops to jump through. So um,
3: it's I mean, always the UK, interesting. The UK are putting up more obstacles for the EU bands coming over as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going yeah. both ways, isn't it? Just- Okay. Yeah, it's
1: just good, you know, and it backfires, right? Because the yeah. one side does one thing, then the other side does something to counteract it, and then there's yeah. another counteraction. It's like who
3: blinks first, first, kind of shite. Yeah. You know
1: who's gonna
3: who's gonna who's gonna take it further first, and then the other one's like, all oh, right, you know, we this band didn't get over to the UK, so the UK bands coming over to the the EU.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. It's fucking time. hilarious. Yeah.
0: It's hilarious because it's one of the only things the UK has has of value to export is, is kind of like music culture and and, and, and that kind of thing. It's, when you think about it, it really is, I think, the only thing the UK export is. <laughs> it's true, though. It's just music culture, and they're, and they're screwing that. They're absolutely screwing it. So it gets more and more interesting every, every year um we shall see we shall see
1: yeah exactly yeah it's all you can do yeah
0: yeah cool cool well it feels like we've come to have we come to a bit of a natural ending there although i'm saying that i'm uh, we were chatting before uh ego since the ego sensation show i'm fucking intrigued like I want to know more. I, how come you're not doing more like sort of ego sensation, YouTube channel, like performance art or something? Cause I, when if we first remember, met, I do, remem- I do remember, I do remember seeing DVD. some stuff.
2: She released a DVD. Yeah. Oh, no, that yeah. was a long time ago. You know, there's only so many hours in the day, you know what I mean? Okay. That's no. ultimately what it comes down to. I have, I will never in this lifetime be bored. Yeah, I have so many ideas and so many projects that I want to do. Um, that there's just you know, but in order to do something well, you have to put you have to put your intention to it, your focus. Yeah. So really, my focus has mainly been on White Hills because you know, I enjoy doing it, and there's lots to do, so the Ego Sensation show is just, you know, it's its a piece of the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it couldn't happen again.
1: Um, She'll have to, you know, lock me up and, like, say I died.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> died. Uh,
2: now, I could probably do it when you're still living. Well, uh, I'm not saying we'll I would see. actually be
1: dead, but, you know, you could just... <laughs> Give me a little, like, you know, I don't know, food bag that drips into my mouth or something. (laughs) You
0: you could be the assistant that she cuts in half, for real. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. There
2: you go. Well, I do need assistance for the show, and I, I think that you were an assistant for the show. The show had a limited run in New York City. I actually did a series of live shows.
1: Yeah, this great space that's not there anymore called Collective Unconscious. And they, they, when you walked into this space, they had a massive Tesla coil that was just fucking on, right? Not only was it just on, but it didn't have, like, a fence around it. (laughs) You can fucking, like, walk right up to this thing. (laughs) Wow. Fucking bonkers. Sounds like... Wow. Yeah.
0: Is there any, like, YouTube video or anything of your stuff, ego of the ego sensation show, or is there any footage of it that people can check out or we can check out?
2: No. <laughs> I mean, it was an answer. You never thought you
0: never about, know. you never thought about putting the DVD up on online just as like, um,
2: I might at some point, I actually filmed a whole show because I also, I was going to do a, uh, pilot. Like a TV show. It was going to be like a variety show as well. So it was a live performance art show. And then there was the TV show. And I shot all kinds of great scenes for it. We did a scene at Coney Island. Um, We did the scene on Minetta. There's this great area in in Greenwich Village. There's all these great little streets. And there's this one little famous street that's like a, what are the curved streets called? Well, it's an alley. Yeah, it's kind
1: of like an alley. I mean, it's it's not a cul de sac, right? You know, it's just some weird little like, you know, I mean, the majority of streets in like New York, right, are like this. They're either going east or north or or south, right? You know, but this is just like this one little like offshoot that, you know, is barely even, you can't even consider it a block. It's so small. Anyway,
2: there's all kinds of, um, yeah, I shot, I, for a year or maybe a year and a half I was shooting this pilot and, and it came out cool. And, um, Oh, know. who knows? Who knows what's next?
0: Yeah. I'd like to see that. I would love to see that stuff. I'm, I'm into that stuff. One day. My, <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my, my wife is a, a performance artist and she's been, um, yeah opening my eyes to more of that kind of stuff and uh yeah I'm, I'm kind of into it i'm getting i'm I'm more into the idea of kind of getting more into the idea of that as part of gigs as well like we just did a, i just we just faust just recently played in manchester and um they invited me along to do something and I was like, what am I going to do? Like shake a tambourine. That's what I was initially going to do. Just shake a bloody tambourine. And then I was like, no, I'll bring my tarot deck and I'll set up a little table with some flowers and stuff in the middle of the crowd. And I'll just do like, I'll just draw cards and just do some tarot readings and then hand, hand stuff out to people and hand flowers around and, And you know what? It was a proper, like, kind of a situationist kind of vibe. It ended up becoming a little bit of a situationist thing, and I fucking loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as much as playing my guitar on a stage or whatever. I just really, I got a a real kick out of it, and it's made me feel like, oh, yeah, I want to do more stuff like this, like, sort of.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've always been like that, too. We've had Butoh dancers, like, you know, fucking perform with us on stage, you know. Cool, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I like that kind of shit, too. Like, yeah. it takes it out of the context of what is the preconceived notion of a rock show.
0: Mm-hmm. totally yeah and faust are the masters of that anyway they've always had either people ironing or yeah just mm-hmm. random shit happening somebody swinging a fucking chainsaw around you know nice Just and i tell you what as well yeah. faust jean hervé 74 years of age and still vital still absolutely vital fucking great band putting on a great show Pushing it like you know, loads of like not playing it safe, making it weird, and just like really, really inspiring, really, really inspiring. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: like the, the same thing with like you know uh, Marshall Allen in like yeah. Sun yeah. Ra. I mean, yeah. like, the guy fucking blows my mind every time yeah. I see him.
4: It's
1: just like I can't believe he's what ninety eight. Yeah. You know? And he's like blowing that horn like he's 20.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: Incredible, man. Inspiring. Oh, fucking Jesus. How to imagine being 98 and still being bothered to go out and do a game Yeah.
1: Again. Well, it's probably the thing that keeps him alive. Yeah.
0: I'd say so. Yeah. I'd yeah. say so. When he stops blowing on that horn, that's when it's game over, really.
4: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. Well, yeah. Night. Really lovely chatting to you both. You know, I feel right. like we could just be going on and on and on for hours and hours. Really.
5: Yeah.
4: You know? Yeah,
0: we
2: probably <laughs> could <go>, oh all night.
0: <laughs> I mean, we hey. could. Be really nice to do this again when you've got, especially when you maybe got a release, a new album coming out or something, so we can talk about that and just, you know, because this nodcasting, when we're, we're we're in this. I think this podcasting thing for the long haul because we're really. Enjoying chatting to people, but whenever we chat to people, we always feel like ah, oh, we could we could we should be doing this for longer, you know. But it's, you know, a three or four hour long podcast might be a bit much, but we're just <laughs> trying to keep in touch with you. And like, anytime you've got something going on, we can do this again for another hour or so, you know.
1: Sure, would love to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 All
3: right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, lovely. nice one, guys. Thanks for doing yeah, it. Yeah,
1: thanks for having yeah. us. And it's uh, no, good. thanks
3: for doing it. Yeah,
1: I'm mean,
3: always great to, it's seeing you guys. Yeah, it's a lovely you excuse as to well.
0: just catch up, really. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really nice to catch up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Cool.
0: All right. Take care. Right. Ciao.
4: Right. Until next time.